Have you ever found yourself thinking that maybe it's too late? Maybe it's too late for you to find the success that you want, or you look around and you see these millionaires or 10 millionaires or 100 millionaires, even billionaires, and you're like, I could never accomplish that. It's too late. Well, today's guest is an inspiring one because what this guy has accomplished and where he came from nine years ago to where he's at today and what he's doing today is inspiring. We have Matt King on the show who is the CEO of GoBundance, but even more than that, nine years ago, he was part of the work crew, meaning he was serving for free just to be in the room to serve these millionaires. And he found himself serving David Osborne, who was one of the founders. And you fast forward to today, and David's uh, business empire is worth more than $200 million. And Matt King is now the CEO of that family office. He runs David's investment empire. He oversees all the different business units. Uh, He is literally David's right-hand man. He knows everything about David's investments. He spends time with David. He is the man inside. And it's exciting because nine years ago, he was serving for free at an event, working a normal job. He was actually an assistant for another person. And then he found David Osborne and set an intention and a goal. He said, I'm going to be in David Osborne's world. And without even saying anything to David, David reached out to him a few weeks later and said, hey, I want you to come be part of my world. And you're either going to thrive or it's going to fall apart. And just by setting that intention, he joined David's world. And you'll hear by his story today, Matt is one of the people that I'm most inspired by because he constantly is setting goals and he's constantly just checking in on that, showing up and just adding value everywhere he goes. He's one of the guys that I look up to in so many ways. And this guy's younger than me and he's accomplished so much. I've done some amazing things, but what Matt's done in nine years is truly phenomenal. So I'm excited for you to hear this episode today. And I think it's going to bring us all hope because it doesn't matter what you've accomplished. It doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter how old you are. You can do a lot in 10 years. Matt hasn't even been on this trajectory for 10 years yet. And he is running a $200 million empire. He talks to all the bankers, all the brokers, all the people that are leading the business units. He is the right-hand man to a $200 million empire. So let's get into the show. Are you looking for freedom? Freedom from the daily grind and hustle? Or just finding a way to live the life you always wanted? Then join us on the Investing for Freedom podcast. Our host, Mike Ayala, will help you discover new ways to find freedom with tips, insights, and interviews. You'll learn the exact systems he's used to travel the world and live his best life. True success and happiness are all about freedom. And here's your roadmap on how to find freedom on your own terms. Welcome to the Investing for Freedom podcast. Here's your host, Mike Ayala. Thank you for joining me on the Investing for Freedom podcast. Today, I've got Matt King on the show, and I'm excited about this. We were just talking off camera. Um, Between his schedule and my schedule, we've had to delay this a few times, but I think it's kind of what, you know, maybe the universe had in store here because um, things are just getting interesting out there. And we've got a guy on the show today that has really just seen all versions of of so many things. And if you go back to episode one, I had um, David Osborne on the show. And David Osborne has been, you know, a great mentor in my life. He's changed so many people's lives. Um, he's one of the founders of GoBundance. And Matt King has had a front row seat in David Osborne's world. But more importantly, the last couple of years, I've watched uh, Matt really, you know, just, and in Matt's mind, it's probably been a, you know, a 20-year process. But I've really seen Matt just kind of move into his own. And so I'm really excited about having him on the show today, he actually spoke at uh, Mind and Kara's Couples event here in November in Austin. And it was just phenomenal because this guy is just such a well-rounded person. Um, not only has he got to see the ins and outs of David's world, but again, he you know sits at tables with um, those that are you know making big moves every single day and, and gets to see the ins and outs. And as a side note, he is now the CEO of GoBundance. And you guys know from listening to the show that I am just a huge fan of GoBundance. Every guy in GoBundance that I run into changes my life in some way. And now that we've got Matt King at the helm of GoBundance, it's just been an amazing journey. So Matt, enough of all that. Thanks for being on the show, man. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me. I mean, I've I've uh, really enjoyed getting to know you over the last few years and really enjoyed speaking at your and Kara's couples thing. I was bummed my wife couldn't attend, but I hope to someday attend that with with her and and go through a lot of the exercises you guys were doing you know, together, because I think the stuff that the work you guys are doing is so 
impactful for couples. And, and we do some of that already, but to do it in a setting like you guys facilitated is just even more harmonious. So um, thanks for having me today. Yeah, I'm excited about it. And you know, you and I touched on this and I don't want to put you on the spot, but I'll put you on the spot. We're actually going to do a 50 uh, couple event here in November. And we talked about maybe doing a a small legacy planning workshop. So yeah. um, if you're still open to that, I think that would just be amazing, man. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in. However, I can be of service. Look, I've I've been so fortunate in my journey of life that people have reached down and, and grabbed my hand and helped pull me up, whether it was in high school soccer, when I was back up to a kid that was ranked third in the nation. And, you know, over time, he kind of fizzled out and I got to step in, but I learned and got to pick his brain or, you know, whether it was working at the country club back in the day with my really good close friends who taught me the ropes on how to clean shoes and polish shoes in the locker room, um, or whether it was David and working alongside David for the last nine years and him reaching down and showing me the way and helping me and guide me. And, you know, the least I can do is be of service to, to people in return. I mean, I, without people being of service to me, I would, I would be nothing. So I, I give every chance I can to, to try to do whatever I can to make the world a better place. And I'd be honored to be a part of it. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why I'm so excited to have this conversation today, because, um, you know, I've, I've actually been watching you for a while and that sounds creepy, but it's not because I think when we become a student of, you know, those that are successful in different areas that we want to emanate, you know, and I think people spend so much time looking at someone just from a financial success perspective, um, which is good. We all need financial success and this is the investing for freedom show, but I think there's so much more to it. And I've, again, from a creepy perspective, I've been kind of watching you for a while and man, you just lead with with servanthood. Like you're just always the guy that's, um, has been in the back of the room and just, you know, serving everybody around you. And it's been really fun. Like at the winter event, watching you be at the front of the room and, and shift your role. And I know you're, you know, already a leader in David's organization, um, in your own world, in your own house and everything else, but watching that at Go Abundance, um, has, has really been inspiring. And so I've watched you for a while and, you know, one of my favorite uh, scriptures in the New Testament talks about how, you know, don't don't take a seat at the head of the table. Wait for someone to call you to the head of the table. And I'm paraphrasing yep. that, but but yeah. I've just watched you for a while, you know, just serving with humility and it's it's uh it's inspiring, man. Yeah, thank you. I'm I'm uh you know, I'm super fortunate. I grew up middle class, Midwest, blue collar, amazing, incredible parents who are the exact same way. Um, my mom has served our community that I grew up in for the last probably 18 years, um, running the chamber of commerce. Like my dad's been at the same company for 40. My father-in-law worked at the same company for 42. My mother-in-law worked at the same company. So like, like I've just seen people give, 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 and I've seen what God, the universe, whatever you believe in gives you in return when you have that servant-based mindset and then that servant-based leadership. And, um, I think that, you know, what you referred to is perfect. Like don't take a seat at the table, wait till you're called to it. But but then I think I take it one step further. Once you're called to it, don't take it for granted. I think a lot of mm. people then will take it for granted. Um, and I think just because you get called to the head of the table for a minute doesn't mean you have earned the right to be there forever. I think every minute of every day, you have to continue to earn that right and continue to, you know, to iron, iron yourself into that seat. Um, because it's not something that you can just take for granted. It's not something that's just given to you. Um, and so I've tried to live my whole life like that. I, I, I'm super fortunate. My wife was a teacher. She still does do some education stuff like talk about servant-based leadership, like going in and educating, you know, low income students in Washington, DC, like she did after college. Like these kids didn't even have hats to go to the bus stop. Like, and she was there showing up every single day for these kids, not only being a teacher, but like being their only support system. Um, so I'm super fortunate to be surrounded by a lot of people like that. I mean, David's another one. I've, worked for him for nine years. And there's days where he'll literally come upstairs, grab my lunch bag and carry it to my car. Not because it's a long walk, not because the lunch bag is heavy, but because he wants to show me like, I'm a servant-based leader too. And I'm willing to do whatever I have to, to help you along the, your journey. And sometimes mm-hmm. I'm not able to show it every day. So I'm just going to grab your lunch and put it in your car for you. Um, uh, so, you know, I, I think what you said is spot on. Like you emulate people, you look for role models. I think one of the mistakes people tend to make is, they look for role models to be their everything. So a, a good example of this is Tiger Woods, right? Tiger Woods was everybody's role model in golf for a while. Number one golfer in the world. I mean, you could argue all day, he's probably the greatest to ever have played the game. And then when the scandal came out, everybody was just like devastated. Like, how could this guy have done that? Um, but yet I still rooted for Tiger Woods. And people ask me like, why would you root for Tiger Woods after he did that? 
And I told him, I never emulated Tiger Woods for the husband he was. I never looked up to him for the father he was. I always just looked up to him for the golfer. Like, I'm not close enough to know if he's a good father. I'm not close enough to know if he's a good husband. So I'm not going to be that. He's not going to be that role model for me in that department. People closer to me, like my father or my father-in-law or these incredible people in, in the world that I get to live and see every day, they'll be my role models in those different departments because I can see it. I can feel it. I can touch it. You know, for golf, I got to watch Tiger Woods make putt after putt after putt. Like I can emulate that. I can mm -hmm. look up to him for that. So, you know, I think, I think as people think about role models and people look for role models in life, know that it's okay to have many different ones and it's okay to have different ones in different gardens. The person you look up to from a financial perspective may not be the person you look up to for health. And the person you look up to for health may not be the right person for relationships. So, you know, don't get fixated on like one role model is going to fill all of your gardens or all of your buckets. Be aware that you can have many different role models in all aspects of life. And, and you can take bits and pieces from every single person you meet every single day. Man, that might have been some of the best advice and like the best breakdown too. Because, you know, Karen and I went to... I always call it a crazy church, like back in the day, a long yeah. time ago when we were young. Yeah. And, um, you know, we were actually youth pastors and the the pastor of that church taught me more about business at such a young age than mm. um, I didn't know anything about business. I didn't know I even wanted to be in business. And, you know, I remember complaining to him one day about my boss at work and, and he's like, Hey, you know, why don't we start like, why don't we just start meeting in the morning? And I went to work really early. I had to be to the um, shop by like five o'clock and he would meet me at 4am um, you know, once or twice a week. And we, it just kind of turned into like men's leadership. Anyway, yeah. to make a long story short, like, you know, this guy, this guy was just, he taught me so much about leadership and business and all of this, but then, you know, they lost their way. Um, yep. they got distracted by money and, and, you know, ended up getting a divorce and the church fell apart. And so many people were crushed and devastated by that. But I always, you know, I always kind of kept it in perspective and I still, if it hadn't been for that guy, I would not even be, you know, a 10th of who I am today um, from a business and investing perspective. And so I love what you said there about just keeping that in perspective because, you know, I was never really bitter about any of that. And I think when we put individuals on a pedestal, everybody's going to fail us in, in one way, shape or form. Nobody's perfect. And I just love the way that you pointed that out and just, you know, have different mentors for different areas. And I'll pivot here. And maybe you've already answered this, but who's the person that's had the greatest impact on your life? I know that's a challenging to narrow oh, it down man. to one, but... You know, honestly, it's probably my wife. Um, if it weren't for my wife, I'd probably still be in Wisconsin. I'd probably still be having fun with my friends and I'd probably still be wanting to chase something but not having the courage to do it. Like I dropped out of college... I started my own business. It was a small little business. And when she came to me and said, I'm moving to the inner city schools of DC as she was graduating college, I said, I'm going with you. And um, I wasn't going with her because I wanted to go. I was going with her because she finally gave me the courage to choose something for my life too. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I probably never even sat her down and said like, thank you. Like I probably, like she, like she is owed. Um, but honestly, like, I mean, without her, I don't think I would have ever taken any of the risks that I've taken today. And, you know, we talked a little bit offline about like my why, like, I don't think my why would be the same. I don't think my, you know, my ambition would be there. My drive would be there, but it would be a lot more scattered. It wouldn't be as, as sort of like pointed and directed, you know, obviously both of my grandfathers had an incredible impact on my life. My dad is, you know, my hero, I look up to him for, for a bunch of different things. My mom has been an incredible role model in my life. My sister has overcome adversity every step of the way, whether it was like rupturing her ACL in high school or, you know, getting medically discharged from West Point after she got into West Point. Like, mm. you know, she's got two master's degrees and owns her own business. Like she's, she's a hero for me. Like I've got all these incredible people that, that I look up to, but if you had to say one, I'd probably say it was my wife because without her, I don't think I would have had the courage to choose, honestly. Yeah. It's so good, man. Um, we're probably going to get into a lot of this, but if you could narrow it down to one thing that has had the greatest impact on your success, what, what do you think that would be? Um, curiosity. I think mm -hmm. the one thing would be curiosity. I think if you lead with curiosity, um, there's this abundant world that's out there that's ready to give you its fruits. Like I think oftentimes we lead with judgment and I'm guilty of it constantly. Like I'm working with my communications coach right now to, you know, stay out of judgment, keep an open heart and have compassion. Like I'm, I'm, I'm still not a master at it but I try to focus on living in curiosity. 
ask questions. Like I think, I think people oftentimes go like, well, I'm going to the airport on a trip. You know, the guy checking my bag, the guy patting me down at security, like, what am I going to get from them? But like, the question is, is like, what can you give to them? So like, how are you today? Like, what are you looking forward to this weekend? Like, what questions can you ask them to bring life into their soul, which will ultimately allow them to give you life back in return? And that like the most beautiful conversations come from that, right? Like you talk to the janitor at a sporting event, guys like changing the, the garbage cans and there's 47 people in the bathroom. Like how many people pause and say, thank you so much. How can I help you? Like nobody does that. And, and I'm not perfect at it. I'm trying to continue to always do better, but I've always led with curiosity. And by being curious, you can learn so much from so many people all the time. Um, and I, I kind of like to think of myself as a sponge. Like I'm just trying to learn as much as I possibly can. Um, you know, I dropped out of college, um, never got the college degree, but as David said, like, I'm a student of life. Like I just want to learn everything there is to learn. Um, and it, it doesn't matter who it's from. If it's the guy that comes to repair my roof, I'm going to ask him a million questions, not because I'm going to get up there and hammer down the shingles, but because like, I want to learn his genius. So now I have a part of that. Like that to me is beautiful. So for me, it's curiosity and it's just always being always being curious and asking questions. Yeah, it's awesome. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna say something real quick. When um when I was a plumber in the field, I, I worked at the same organization that my dad did. And I remember always feeling and even some comments um, you know, from my peers, mm-hmm. other apprentices that you know, basically, because I, I grew really fast in this organization. I mean, from from the time I started, I was working there at the age of 15 in the summers and then went full time at 18. And by the time I was 22 years old, um, just barely graduated the apprenticeship program. I was an instructor already. Um, I was running a $3 million casino expansion, which wasn't supposed to be, but I was a number two guy and the number one guy got called to a different job. And my boss said, hey, just hold down the fort we'll get you another form in there. Just, you know, keep moving for a couple of weeks. Well, it never happened. Uh, yep. So I end up with, you know, 20 employees and running this $3 million casino expansion way in over my head. Anyway, I remember always feeling like, and again, not just feeling, but people made these comments that I was like successful because of my dad. And the reason why I'm saying this is like, you know, I think a lot of times when you look at a David Osborne and I, mm-hmm. it's time for me to have David back on the show at some point, but yeah. it, when you look at a David Osborne and then like a Matt King, um, you know, a lot of people uh, might say, you know, Matt King's partially successful because of David. And I think you would probably agree that there's some truth to that. But also every, every time I hear David speak, he talks about, you know, his success. And obviously he's successful for his own reasons too, but he gives you so much credit um, in his world to being able to do what he does well because you do what you do well. And I want to set the stage with this. And then I want to circle back to the journey around this because I think it's going to be really powerful and inspiring for people to hear how you came into David's world and then what that journey looks like. But before we do that, I want to talk about your role in David Osborne's organization today and then also your role in GoBundance because I think it's important for people to understand um, who Matt King is, number one, but also like, you've got some serious responsibility on your plate. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the first thing I would say is who is Matt King? Like, you know, I'm a husband, I'm a father. I have two beautiful kids. I've got a, a almost four-year-old daughter and an almost three-year-old son that are just, are almost two-year-old son. Jeez, I'm trying to fast pace him, but they're just like the joys of my life, like just incredible. Um, and then from a business perspective, like I'm, I've, I've earned an opportunity to oversee David's uh, family office. Um, he owns and operates 30-ish different companies across many different sectors, including uh, co-owning the eighth largest residential real estate brokerage in the United States that has about 5,000 agents across North Texas, New Mexico, and Memphis that did about $12 billion in volume last year. Um, we have everything from distressed debt to private equity to single-family homes to multifamily homes to development to Airbnbs. Uh, to operating companies, to investments in things like Bulletproof Coffee or Austin Eastsiders or Canteen. Um, so, you know, I get to run the day-to-day operation of that and basically, you know, be David. Like I kind of just emulated him over the last nine years and tried to become a mini-me of him. Um, I still don't have as good of a body fat as he does, but I'm trying. <laughs> um, and, you know, I, I just now today I get to run and, and oversee everything. And it's a ton of responsibility. It's a ton of pressure. Um, but it's the highest honor that I could ever imagine to have somebody look at you and say, like, 
I trust you with my world. And, and I literally look after it like it was my own money. Like it, to me, it's, I mean, David, David means the world to me. He married us. David and Tracy were the first people to meet our daughter. Our parents were on a flight to, to Austin and couldn't get there in time. And so, you know, as soon as my wife was done with labor, Tracy, David's wife texted me and said, we're in the waiting room. And like, there was my boss and his wife running into our delivery room as if they were family and they are family. Like it, it was incredible. So, um, to me, I'm, I'm like, I'm very honored and I'm very humbled and I, I don't take it lightly and I don't take it for granted. Um, and then as a byproduct of that, I've, I've gotten to, to start to be, to serve in GoBundance and as originally started with like on the founders with the, on the board essentially. Um, and then over time it's evolved to where today I oversee the entire organization, both the elite division and the champions division. And, and we have 900 members across the country who are all entrepreneurial are all, you know, hard chargers. And I'm sure you've talked about it on a bunch on the show, but you know, all have to have certain credentials from a net worth perspective in order to be in the tribe. So, you know, I'm, I'm super, super humbled to be in this incredible, in, incredible responsibility or incredible role where I get to lead leaders like that. Talk about like, talk about like respect, talk about like honor, like what, what cooler way, like almost it feels like you're trying to lead like the military, like being a, a, a leader in the military, you're leading other leaders. Like those soldiers aren't just these passive, passive humans. Right. So, you know, being in a room where you're in with a bunch of leaders and you're the leader, like it's incredible. It's humbling. It's a lot of responsibility. It, it requires a lot of, a lot of effort. It requires a lot of time. Um, but I'm so grateful for the opportunity and I'm just having a blast doing the best I can to, to take everything I get to touch to, to where I think is possible. Can, can you, um, can you just kind of briefly touch and explain what a family office is? Because yeah. I think it's one of those, I think this just conversation might be something that anchors in some of our audience's head. I remember the first time I heard the term family office and I'm like, I want one of those. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I always tell people a family office is essentially when a family has amassed enough wealth that they can run their own personal wealth as if it were a corporation. So they have a CEO, they have a CFO, they have a CIO, like a chief investment officer. They have bookkeepers, they have houses, they have house managers, they have cleaning people. Like basically think of it as when you amass enough wealth, you start to manage your wealth as if it was a corporation from investments to tax strategies, to estate planning, um, to charitable givings. Um, you're you're kind of looking after the, the wealth you've amassed and the money that you're making as if it were a corporation like a Nike or a Apple or a Lululemon. You know, they have a CFO, a CEO, a COO. They have all of those things. And they're making decisions to to better the company. You're doing the same. Just just happens to be for a family, you know. And I just love, um, and we'll kind of start dissecting this too. But this is why I love like watching you and watching David because, you know, I I think uh, number one, my mind is just always expanded. But then number two, like just thinking about concepts that I've never thought about before. When I owned a plumbing and heating company, the product was you know the technicians and the service yeah. and everything else. But like when I hear family office, like the product is wealth and assets. And it's just such a shift to me that like, kind of calls me to like a just a, a higher way of thinking around it. And you know, I've I've had the privilege of um, sitting with a lot of family offices raising capital, we haven't, we haven't gotten investments from a lot of family offices, but we've done a deal with a few different ones. And it's always just like, fascinating to watch. Um, you know, when we're sitting in a, we sat and did a deal with a family office that's from Brazil. They basically own the Walmart of Brazil. The founders, the family, none of them were there. This is like, you know, some guy that runs their family office in New York um, and and their team. And we're like, you know, pitching the mobile home park deals to him. We did a debt deal. It started with like a million and then we ended up doing another like seven and we've ultimately done like $12 million with them. And it's just so fascinating because you know, the audience is probably listening to this and you're, you're the CEO of that family office, but then like, you know, there's guys that you have to pitch the deal to and, and all of that. And it's just such yeah. a, it's such a mindset shift, but the money and the assets are the product, right? That's right. That's right. And, and I think like a lot of people aren't in a financial position to have a family office, but one of the things I'd encourage people to do is start treating your money as if you were your own family office. Like look after your money as, as if it were a balance sheet for a business. Like I think the society we live in today, we're kind of programmed like make money, spend money, make money, save a little bit in 401k. Like, but look at it as like use the velocity of capital, like use time, use like different principles and different concepts and start treating your money as if it were a family office. Like fake it till you make it. Like nobody's mm -hmm. going to call you on it. Like, you know, like 
think about like when you get a deal, like I got to take this to my chief investment officer. Well, today the chief investment officer might also be you, but start acting that way. So someday when it pops up, you can actually take it to the chief investment officer because you're prepared for that, you know, mindset and that behavior. So, you know, I I think the sooner you start looking at your wealth as if you are a family office, whether you're worth a thousand dollars or $10 million, it doesn't matter. Just start looking at all your money as if it's a family office and and the assets and the capital are the product, as you said, Mike. And um, I think it will give people a different perspective on money. And and again, this is why I love talking to you because you're you're able to, you know, bridge the gap from, you know, where many of us are today to being able to see, yeah. you know, the upper echelon. But I want to, I want to just be transparent and share a situation with you lately that um this is why it's so important to do what you're saying. I don't have to wait till I have a family office to start taking care of some of this. We need to make it a priority. And I remember you speaking on stage, I think it was with Pat Hyben, you know, just talking about the book. And I'd like you to, you know, just touch on the book in a minute. Um, But I don't know, it's been two and a half years ago, maybe two. It was probably two and a half. My daughter rear-ended somebody in Phoenix, Arizona. And they, they, the person in front of her stopped, slammed on the brakes. I showed up and to make a long story short, I'm not making excuses for my daughter, but the firemen were like, you know, these people don't want to go to the hospital, but they're already claiming injury. Like the firemen were like, Hey, you might want to, you know, call your insurance. And yeah. Yeah. So, you know, Geico was our insurance agency, blah, blah, blah. And everything was going fine. And they had like a settlement. It went away for a while. Then about a year ago, they opened a case up, they had gotten a lawyer and, you know, we were going to go to court and have a deposition and all this stuff. And they're like, I, I had looked, my, my limits were questionable on my insurance. Um, And this was the first, we all know this, but this was like the first time that I was like, oh my God, like I need to pay attention, more attention to this stuff. Because the last time that I had analyzed all of this and, you know, I'm being vulnerable and and shame on you, if we weren't on the if we weren't on the podcast, you'd probably slap me around a little bit. But no, it's great, dude. Um, we did a trust and, you know, got all like asset protection and all this stuff, like, you know, five, six years ago. And then I wake up one day and all this is happening. And I'm like, it's not enough to do something five or six years ago. Like we need to stay on top of this stuff. And it was an eye-opening moment for me. But like, how do you, I just love that you bring it back to like, make this a priority now. Yeah, well, what's beautiful is like, I'm learning with my communications coach, we all have this Jahari window, right? There's known to self, not known to self, there's known to others and not known to others. You just shared something that was opening up one of your Jahari windows, which is known to self, but not known to others. And when we're vulnerable, I think beautiful things can happen. And that's like the theme for my year this year is to try to be more vulnerable. I think oftentimes we feel like we have to carry the weight of the world by ourselves. And there's these incredible people who are willing to come to our aid and help us. But we think like, no, I don't want to burden them with that problem of setting up my estate plan, or I don't want to burden them with that problem of analyzing my insurance. But in reality, if you just ask for help, um, beautiful people and beautiful forces can come to your aid. So, you know, from me, from my perspective, I was fortunate to see David's world when it was this giant behemoth and try to put it into the, the, the right silos after the fact. And I was like, wow, is that really hard? I'm like, but if we do it before the framing is up, it's really easy to decide where you want to put a water line because there's no wall. It's really easy to decide where the electrical outlets go because you're not cutting drywall, you're not cutting through studs. Like, So I think if you can lead with a great plan, it will be much easier for you to manage it, but it will be also much easier for you to set it up properly because you have like this blank canvas that you can create whatever whatever you need to. Um, and so I, I don't think you can start soon enough. Like my wife and I started... Um, two years ago. And she's like, why do we need all this stuff? And, you know, candidly, I want it all in place because there's not a lot that she knows intimately on the financial side of our our world. Like, I'm super fortunate in that she just lets me go fast and trust me. Um, but heaven forbid something happens to me, the last thing I want to do is leave her a giant headache while she's mourning the loss of me or celebrating the loss of me. It'll probably be mourning, but you never know. <laughs> yeah. um, so the last thing I want to do is leave her a bunch of work. So I set it up properly. I make sure everything is prepared. I get my I's dotted, my T's crossed. I review it quarterly, not because it's fun, not because it's, you know, like I can't wait to do it, but be, because I owe it to her. I owe it to my children to make sure that everything is in order. So regardless of what happens, nobody can get them and nobody can like make any situation worse than it already is. Yeah, and I think that's such an important point too. I'll, I'll close the loop on the, 
we were we were scheduled to go to uh you know a deposition and then we were they we were gonna hire a mediator and all this stuff. Oh and, yeah. Um like three days before the deposition was supposed to happen, um, which I was named in the lawsuit, obviously, because she of was of course, you know, she was a, pockets. A, yeah, she was a teenager at that point in time. And which also made yep. me like all my kids are still on my insurance. I'm like, you guys get off. Like you're you're get not off. kids anymore. Yep. Like you're adults, yep. go get your own thing. Um, but anyway, uh they settled. So it was it was, uh, you know, it was great in the end. I'm, I'm glad that, you know, Geico was able to settle with them. And so it didn't end up above our limits. Um, but you know, it was a lesson for me that it could have been so much worse. Like, you know, God forbid that, you know, one of your kids kills somebody or, or does any of that. It's, it's a big deal. And so when you talk about, you know, reviewing that quarterly and it's not necessarily fun, um, I, I haven't even been disciplined enough to review it annually. And this has been an eye opener for me. And, you know, I want to, you're not selling anything with this, but that's, I want to circle back to what you were talking. You're, you have intentions and maybe you've changed your mind, but you have intentions to kind of do a workshop around, yeah. um, you know, some of this like legacy planning and all of that. Is that still on the radar? Yeah. Yeah. Look, I mean, I'm so fortunate to have seen what it looks like for David. Like I've gotten to plan somebody else's, then I've gotten to plan my own. I've gotten to be a part of tons of different planning sessions. I've gotten to give people a bunch of input. I've gotten to get input from $300 an hour lawyers, $900 an hour lawyers, $1,100 an hour lawyers. Like, who am I to hoard this information and not share it? Like, I want to just make sure everybody has access to everything. Um, And there's this incredible book on Amazon called I'm Dead Now What? It's about $24. And basically, it's just this blank book. And I encourage everybody to start with that. It's called I'm Dead Now What? And it's basically, here's my name. Here's my social security number. Here's my bank account. Here's my bank account number. Here's my login. Here's my password. Here's my credit card password. Like it's very, very basic, but it's a great place to start to think about where everything is. Where are you keeping everything? Where are all the credentials and how can you leave it so it's not a mess? And if you start with that, I think you can really iron out a beautiful legacy plan, you know, and make sure that your will is in place. Make sure that your trust and estate plan is in place. Make sure that you're utilizing life insurance like it should be utilized from the tax benefit it is, but also from the death benefit it is. Um, and I think there's just a lot of different levers that I've, I've been fortunate to understand um, that I, I just want to share with others. If they do something with it, amazing. If they do nothing with it, totally great. That's their choice. But I just want people to be in the know about what's possible when it comes to like legacy planning. That's amazing. And I'm just going to drop this right now because I think this is probably one of the most important things we could ever you know give to our audience. But um, if you're interested when Matt does his own workshops or if he does it at the couple's mastermind or whatever, text me the word legacy to 480-531-7519. And I'll make sure that you get on, you know, Matt's list because I don't think there's anything more important than this. And I want to share this. Um, I think, you know, you, you said this, like you had the opportunity to do it for David, <laughs> which I don't know if that was an opportunity or a, <laughs> oh, it was a headache, it yeah, was a headache, sure. but it was, an, it was a learning lesson, man. It was like somebody basically threw a college textbook at you and said, figure out how to make my stuff fit in what is possible. And it was like, wow, like yeah. talk about an MBA, like that's the best MBA I could ever get. Like roll up your sleeves and figure it out. Yeah. It was incredible. Well, and I think there's this um, overwhelm that could happen. And that's, you know, why I didn't pay attention to my trust and insurance and all of that for for five years. And shame on me. I'm just glad it wasn't worse. But something's happened recently. And I want to point this out because even at, we don't have to get to David's size or my size or the sooner we start, the easier this thing is going to be to build upon. And I think you said something that was really key, like, when you had to like jump into David's world and break it down into silos and you're like, oh my God, this is crazy. If we just started when our net worth is, you know, negative or 500,000 or 5 million or whatever, we can build on top of that. And something, we don't have to do it on our own. So I'm really excited that you're talking about doing a workshop, the book, I'm dead now. Um, I think we need to realize that just get started. And I'm fortunate. My son, Tim, he's, he's come to work for me in the last couple months and it's been a game changer. And whether it's a Tim, you know, whether it's outsourcing it, there's a, there's a guy I've gotten to know pretty well called, uh, his name's Jim Dew and he owns Dew Wealth. Um, You know, they do like outsourced family office stuff. So anyway, whatever it is, like, I think the key that Matt King would probably say is just get started. And having Tim come into my world has been awesome because just even like LastPass, I have, you know, so much of my stuff in LastPass, but we couldn't figure out how to get Kara into it. 
And, and just having Tim come into my world, as you were even talking about that, um, I need to get Tim to understand, you know, my life insurance policies. And, um, but it's nice having somebody that he came in and took over my last pass and started just setting every single thing up in there. And I'm like, it's been such a game changer. So whether you do it on your own or whether it's so overwhelming that you can't find somebody to help you, it could be a VA, although there's sensitive information there. So, but I'm just curious on your thoughts on that, like wait or let's get going. Do it now, like do it yesterday, do it last year. I mean, it's funny because literally I had a session with my communications coach, Liz Coleman yesterday. And I was telling her like, I feel a little overwhelmed. She's like, oh, wow, let's talk about that. And we started talking about it. And really what it boils down to is the feeling of overwhelmed comes from a lack of willingness to ask for help. Mm. That's it. Like I felt overwhelmed because I felt like I had to carry the burden and I couldn't ask for help. When you're thinking about your legacy and your estate plan, you feel overwhelmed because you haven't figured out who to ask for help from or where to go for help or found the courage to ask for help. So, you know, I would encourage everybody, like if you feel overwhelmed, that's great. It means something to you. It's important. You should be slightly overwhelmed, but get over the feeling of being overwhelmed by just asking for help. Like if you go to a trusted friend or a trusted advisor or a lawyer or whatever, whether they're financially compensated to help you or they just care about you and you say, hey, I'm feeling overwhelmed. Would you be willing to help me? Very, very, very few people are going to say, no, screw off. Most mm-hmm. people are going to be like, wow, I'm sorry you're feeling overwhelmed. How can I help? What can I do? Can I take out the garbage? Can I set up LastPass for you? Can I show you what, how, to, how to set up an estate plan? So, you know, just, just be willing to ask for help. And I think you'll find how easy it is to actually put things in place because so many people are already experts at this stuff and we'll just show you how to do it. And you won't have to pay for it. They're just willing to help and willing to give because that's just like human nature. That's just in the goodness of their hearts. Yeah, so good. Well, in the interest of time, we have 15 minutes left. So I want to, um, I really want to just for the audience, I want to dissect like your, your story. We've, we've set up the stage. I mean, you're running a family office that's worth, you know, multiple, it's worth a lot. lot Um, You got a ton of employees. Um, run and go abundance, all the amazing things that Matt's done. But you said it earlier, nine years, nine years. Let's go backwards. Let's talk about how you got into David's world and and how this is all escalated. And and I want to say this real quick too. Somebody said yesterday to me, one phone call, one person, one meeting, one conference, one mastermind could change your entire life tomorrow. Yep. And just hearing your story is so inspiring. And obviously you worked for it. Um, yeah. but take, take us through it. Yeah. And I would, I would say all of those things you said are just one thing. They're a choice. You are one choice away from changing your mm. economic destiny, your health destiny, whatever you want to choose. You're literally one choice away from it. And like, to me, that is so exciting and so exhilarating. Um, what's beautiful about the journey, Mike is like nine years ago when I started working for David, he looked at me and he said, my world is a mushroom cloud getting ready to explode. I think you're talented. If you are, you'll figure it out. And if you're not, my world won't change. I was like, wow, okay, well, what do you want me to do? He's like, look over my shoulder and just take stuff off my plate. And so it started with like the first couple of weeks, I still to this day work out of his house. I'm at his house right now. Um, I work out of his house and I notice he's always late for meetings. I'm like, why is he always late for meetings? Well, he couldn't find his wallet. He couldn't find his keys. He couldn't find his sunglasses. He couldn't find his work journals. I'm like, I wonder what would happen if I pulled his car out, faced it pointing out of the driveway, put his wallet, his sunglasses, his keys, and his journals in there, texted him and said, everything's in your car. You're ready to go. Like, could I get him there on time? And all of a sudden, he started going places on time. Didn't last long because I really finally realized he just wanted to be late, which was okay, too. Like, I understood he wanted to be late. So I was like, okay, cool. (laughs) Um, But I just always have found ways to serve. It was like, so when I was working for him back in the day, like his, he wanted to buy a basketball hoop for his daughter. And I was like, well, I'll set it up on a Saturday. And his wife still to this day gives me shit for setting up the basketball hoop wrong. But I was just like, don't pay somebody else to set up the basketball hoop. Let me do it. Let me figure it out. Let me be of service to you. Let me learn. And ultimately what it did was it got me closer to David. And proximity mm. is power. The other thing I would tell everybody is like, keep freaking failing. I've made so many mistakes and I still to this day make mistakes every single day. 
but I don't get paralyzed by the mistakes and I don't stop choosing because of the mistakes. I continue to fail. I continue to build more awareness around what I've done and how to do things differently in the future. And when it comes time to make that choice again, I use the awareness from the mistake to make a different choice, which gives me a different outcome. So like, you know, it's it started as a go crew for me. Like I was volunteering as a go abundance go crew. I was working 18 hours a day sleeping on an air mattress that wouldn't hold air. Um, and I was just subconsciously attracted to David. His wife was flying into to Tahoe for our event. And uh, he had asked me to go get his ski boots. So I went and got his ski boots. And I was like, man, your room's a disaster. I'm like, I don't know about your wife, but my girlfriend would be like, what the heck did I come to? Like, I thought we were coming to this beautiful weekend in Tahoe and the room's a disaster. Like the last thing I want to do is come clean. So I brought his ski boots down and I was like, hey man, this is kind of a weird question, but like you mentioned Tracy's coming in. Do you mind if I straighten up your room? And he looked at me as like, yeah, I mind. And he's like, actually, no, I don't mind. Like, yeah, if you want to do it, go for it. I like went up there and folded his dirty underwear, put them all in drawers, like got everything cleaned up. Like, again, who am I to like be above that task, right? But when his wife got there, she was like, wow, the room's great. Like everything was good. And it like made his life go smoother. It made his life go easier. And so like everything I do to this day is trying to make a decision to make David's life go easier. David's life go smoother. Because if I can accomplish that, I have all the trust in the world that he will make sure I'm able to accomplish what I've set out to in my life too. Because we talk about our goals. We talk about our visions. We talk about what's going wrong. We talk about what's going right. And we ask each other for help. Um, And, you know, fast forward today, like, that same organization that I was standing in the back of the room running Mike sleeping on an air mattress. I'm standing on the front of the stage leading the, leading the conference. And you know, the beautiful part about it, Mike is you still put your pants on the same way every day. You still put your socks on the same way every day. And I'm still always trying to embody that servant based leadership. Like somebody tries to bring me water. I'm like, no, let me get you the water. Because like the last thing I want to ever do is be satisfied and feel like I've arrived. Like I always want to remember where I came from and, and those roots that I come from are servant-based, they're willing to give and they're trusting that the world, God, whatever universe you believe in will serve you in return. And, and so I just keep showing up like that day in and day out. So good, man. Um, from a tactical perspective, you mentioned goals. Yeah. And I I think, yeah. you know, you and David are have, I, I think, become masters of this. Let's touch on that just briefly. Um, what's the process and and how do you guys look at your goals? So yeah, the goal setting thing is beautiful because I was a super competitive athlete growing up and I attended one of David's goal setting seminars. And this guy was standing in the front of the room, David, with a purple journal tucked into the belt of his pants. And I was like, what the heck did I sign up for, right? Pat Hyben made me go to this thing like, oh gosh, here we go. And he starts talking about goals and my eyes kind of roll. I'm like, yeah, man, I was a competitive athlete. I know all about goals. Like I want to win a state tournament. I want to do this. Like I know what goals are. And then all of a sudden he brought up his vision board and there was a private plane and there was this beautiful city and a lake and a boat and families and all this stuff and investments. And he goes, this was my vision board. And, and somebody pauses him and says, wait, 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 you said that was your vision board. He's like, yeah, everything in this already came true. So my wife's making me a new vision board. I was like, oh, buy a purple journal, tuck it in the waistband of my pants, set goals and have a vision for my life. And like, it has changed my life. Um, so what I do is I, I have this delusional belief that not many people embody, but I set my goals in November. So for 2023, I set my goals in November of 2022. My 2023 starts December 1st. So while everybody is coasting through the holidays. I'm walking around with my chest, chest puffed out because I believe I have 13 months to accomplish the goals that you have 12 months to accomplish. If I have more time, I know I'm going to work harder than you. I will beat you. Um, now the delusional part of that is like, if you do it every December, you still only have 12 months, but trust me in December, when you're walking around, you're like, I got 13 months, you got 12 suckers. Like I got this. Um, and so I have goals. I go to coffee shops. I work with my wife. We, it's like a month long process for me. And I take my goals with me everywhere. They're in my backpack right now. Their goals around me personal, their goals around my family, their goals around my kids, their goals around my dad, there's goals around my mom, my sister, my in-laws my wife, my health, my businesses, my investments, my cash. And they're crystal clear. It's not like workout five times a week. No, it's workout 285 times this year. Because some weeks I'm going to fail, but I'm not going to fail for the year. And if I give myself a margin of safety, like David taught me, if I put a little oil in the machine, like David taught me, I can make up for it in November if I have to do two a days sometimes, or if I have to do double days or whatever it is. So, um, you know, 
I get very specific for what I want. It all ties into my five-year vision, which I read probably 25 times a year. And the number one goal that David taught me to set was have a goal to review your goals 50 times. So many, so many of us set goals, put them in a drawer and don't look at them till the end of the year. We pull it on and go, wow, I accomplished more of that than I would have thought. And what would happen if you looked at those every single week? How much more mm-hmm. could you accomplish? Um, you know, so that, that's the goal setting process that I do. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, you know, do visioning, goal setting, but yeah. I love you guys stick with it. It's like, I love that coffee shops, like reviewing it, um, building in well, the buffer, a little bit of failure. It's good. Well, it's, it's easy to stick with it when you see success, when you see the results, right? Like mm. if you start working out at the gym and all of a sudden your pants fit better, you're going to keep going to the gym. Mm-hmm. If you don't see your pants fit better, you're not going to go anymore. So like once you start seeing results, it's super, super addicting. Uh, and the one thing I tell everybody is like, the don't underestimate the power of the subconscious mind. Like just play a game with yourself one day. Say like, you know, I really want to get a black Range Rover and then do yourself a favor for one week, pay attention to how many black Range Rovers you see on the road that week. The same can be true of your goals. Set a goal and watch how it magically will show up in your life. Like the subconscious mind is really, really powerful. And if we put it to work for us, we can accomplish whatever we want to. Yeah. And I love what you're talking about too. Like, you know, the belt at the gym or whatever. I've been accused um, <laughs> by by uh, employees, by business partners of not celebrating because mm-hmm. I'm just like, go, go, go. And what I realized is like half the time when we reach a goal, it wasn't written. Um, the subconscious, I knew it. And I'm like, okay, on to the next one. But I've had to learn um, to pause, acknowledge, celebrate. Yeah. And, you know, and again, my employees have taught me that over the years. It's like, Mike, it's never yeah. good enough for you. And I think that's another valuable thing because like half the time, I don't even know when I've achieved success because I set a goal 12 months ago and forgot about it and I achieved it, but I'm not yeah. measuring it. Yeah. No, this, uh, the guy who started Trigger Point, Cassidy Phillips, a good friend of David Osborne's, he came up with this process after looking at David's goals. He's like, dude, you got to feed your spirit. So he put into David's goals, these things called spirit drivers. So some of my goals are what I call now spirit drivers. So like, they're not goals, but they're like rewards for me. So it's like play golf in Scotland, or it's like, take my friends to Kabul, like it's things that feed my spirit and feed my soul and remind me why I'm hustling and why I'm grinding. And so I think that's what you're alluding to, like have things that feed your spirit inside of your goals. Because there is that saying in Texas, like, at some point, that dog won't hunt, like, you can kill your spirit, I promise. Like everybody says, I've got the best work ethic. You, you know, I can't be crushed. Everybody can be crushed if you're not feeding your spirit. Professional athletes do it. High successful business people do it. You know, we do it with schools, with spring break. Make sure you're feeding your spirit so that you can continue to go to work on your life. I love it, man. Well, we have four minutes left. Is it possible for me to get you <laughs> to tell us what you think's yeah. coming in two minutes? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So what I think co- is coming from a market perspective, I assume you're asking is, mm-hmm. you know, I look, I think we've had a really, really good run. I mean, I think it's been a, a long up and to the right. I think we all get lulled to sleep a little bit that it's just going to continue. The low interest rates are going to continue. The government's going to print their way out of this, that and the other like, History repeats itself. We're going to see a downturn. We're going to see a cycle. Is it going to be a soft landing or a hard landing? I can't tell you. I dropped out of college. But what I will tell you is we're going to see a softening in the market. You know, be prudent with your debt. Be prudent with your underwriting. Don't be chasing. Now is not a time to be chasing things. Like, understand that you will definitely overachieve what you set out to in five years. So just be patient. Like, the worst thing you can do is deploy capital into bad deals and set yourself backward. Um, I tell everybody right now, like, I've been doing this for like the last 120 days, but I keep saying, I'm sitting for 90 days. And what's going to happen in the next 90 days is one of three things, the market's going to run up, and I'm going to miss out on it, which I think has got about a 2% likelihood right now. The market is going to stay flat in 90 days, I'll be able to get the same exact deal I can get today. And I think there's probably a 70% likelihood that that happens. And then the last thing is, is the market crashes and 90 days from now, I'll be able to buy that dollar for 80 cents. And I think there's probably a 28% chance that that happens. And so if I have a 98% chance that I can buy that dollar for the same price 90 days from now or for cheaper, why wouldn't I just wait? 
Now it's, yes, I'm losing to inflation, allegedly. But again, I think that's a narrative that the government, that the media, that, that people who have an agenda for their lives want you to believe so that it serves them. I have an agenda for my life. And the agenda for my life is cash is king in a downturn. And yes, I understand I might be losing to inflation. But guess what? When the market crashes, it's going to be way faster than inflation. And that money is going to make up very quickly. And if I have cash, I'll be able to take advantage of whatever shows up. Wow. You you did it. <laughs> Two minutes. Well, it's yeah. about three, but yeah, it was close. Yeah. You, you crushed it. Well, Matt, I can't thank you enough. And I'm not just saying this. I think this might be the most valuable episode that we've recorded in a long time. Um, I just appreciate who you are, man, and how you show up. If people want to know more about uh, Matt King, where do they find you? Oh, gosh, man, that's where I'm terrible. Like I'm on Facebook, Instagram, GoBundance.com. You can email me, Matt at GoBundance.com. Like I'm pretty much an open book. I'm not like running an agenda or driving anything. Uh, and I'll just wrap up with saying like, Mike, I'm super grateful. You've been important to me on my journey. I've I've gotten to know you well over the last couple of years, even if part of it was because of a shitty refrigerator at a rental. Um, <laughs> and it's it's people like you that I look up to. It's people that you I aspire to. I watch how you and Kara are and how you are with your children. And I hope that, you know, when my kids are your kids' ages, that I have the same relationship with my children that it looks like you have with your children. So, you know, thank you for being a role model for me. Thank you for setting that example. And thank you for inviting me on your show. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Well, if you've been on the fence about GoBundance, join up because you can up. meet you can meet Matt King there. And also, you know, I said this earlier, but um, text me the word legacy to 480-531-7519 and I'll make sure um, if Matt launches his workshop or does it at the couple's mastermind or we'll whatever. We'll do it at the couple's thing. I'll do it at the perfect. couple's thing. Awesome. Great. Well, you heard it here. So text me legacy. Hold me Pre- accountable. All right. All right, brother. I appreciate you so much. Thanks, Matt. If you found value in this episode and you know someone who's wanting to start or move further along in their journey toward investing for freedom, I would be forever grateful if you would share this show with them and help me get this message out to more listeners. Also, if you enjoy what you've heard, I would appreciate it if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. And until the next episode, cheers to moving further along in your journey of investing for freedom.